I was so mad. I was like, I have to pick up my daughter. And she was like, you have to work. And that was in 2005-ish. And I decided then that at some point in my life, I would work for myself because I do not want permission to have to care for my kid. This week's episode is sponsored by SheHub.TV. Log on to www.sheha.tv for engaging content dedicated to women. Also check out their quarterly magazine available in print and both app stores. SheHub TV for the fearless female. You are listening to Choosing Her Hustle with your host, Letitia Francis. This is a podcast for Black women looking to turn their side hustles full time. Each week, I'm going to bring you interviews from women who have successfully transitioned from side hustler to full-time entrepreneur. They will be sharing their journeys, the good, the bad, the ugly, as well as the lessons learned along the way in hopes to inspire you to choose your hustle. Let's get this conversation started. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Choosing Her Hustle. I am so excited to be here. First of all, hi, Teach. My name is Carla Zool. I am the editor of SheHub.TV, the women's blog, as well as SheHub magazine. Um, Been a a veteran journalist for over 25 years now, originally from Bermuda, but live in the UK. Amazing. I'm so excited to have you here. So I know of you um, because we're both from Bermuda and I've I've known you to be a journalist, right? I knew that you were working for a newspaper in Bermuda at one point in time. So I want to get a sense of how you started doing your own thing. So I have, before I go forward, I always have to go back, right? So initially, um, when I was at Bermuda College way back then, I wanted to be a social worker. So I grew up between Somerset and Tarn, right? And the Tarn element is so important because it was like two different lives. So back at Tarn, up to Sacken, for those who can relate to Bermuda, that was where my father was from and my mother was from Somerset. So I got the best of both worlds, but I always was surrounded by people who now I can put a word to it. They were, some of them were disenfranchised. Some of them didn't have opportunities like others. A lot of black man. So I wanted to be a social worker. So I went up to college and it just so happens my classes were like 50% psychology, 50% English. And one of my professors pulled me aside. She taught me sociology and she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a social worker. And she said, you may want to reconsider that. She's like, you're too much of a free spirit. And I say, hmm, okay. And I said, well, what would I do? And I decided to do journalism. So I thought about law because I love to advocate. I'm a talker. I'm a communicator. But then I was like, "Eh, I do not feel like reading all those books. And back then, and it's still the same. If you want to practice law in Bermuda, you go to the UK or Canada. I wanted to go to the States. So I decided to do a degree in public relations. Got into J school. And when I graduated, um, came home, all geared up to, to shoot camera. I wanted to, my degrees in radio and television production. So I wanted to come in, shoot camera for ZBM, which was the end all to be all back then. 
And I was told by a female, no, you cannot because women don't do that. And I was like, and this was 1999. It's like, women don't do that. And I was like, okay. And she said, but you speak really well. Here, she gave me a mic. I'll never forget it. It was like this little mini riot on Coach Street or something. She shoved a mic in my hand and sent me with a cameraman and off I went. And I did that, ended up at the daily, um, moved up. But then for me, as a single mom, I hated people telling me what I had to do, where it impacted how I took care. At that point, I just had one child. And I'll never forget, I was supposed to finish at 530. Um, nursery, as you know, closes around six o'clock at the latest. And my editor at the time gave me an assignment at like 515. And it was at Botanical Gardens. I was so mad. I was like, I have to pick up my daughter. And she was like, you have to work. And that was in 2005-ish. And I decided then that at some point in my life, I would work for myself because I do not want permission to have to care for my kid, right? right? At that point, my child. So in 2012, I was working for government as a public affairs officer, and I had um, three or four portfolios, but I was bored. And I was making good money, right? And life was great. Savings, you know, by then I had two children, living our best lives, traveling, all of that. But again, although I had more flexibility, I still had to answer to someone. And I said to a friend of mine, this is when social media first started to rear its head, where it was more than just social media. I was like, let's open up a social media business. He said, okay, let's do it. We planned. I was ready. I took the jump. He's still in the same job to this day. and. I, I I was mad at him for a very long time, but it made me resilient in who I am today. Mm-hmm. One of the things that came out of that, and I was very angry because I had gone to an insurance company to get quotes for insurance, and they started a policy and then sent me a bill. And it's like, oh, you have this policy. I'm like, I can't afford to pay this. It was something like $1,000 to $2,000 a month in just insurance. And I ended up with an $8,000 bill and they put me in credit association. And I was so angry because I felt abandoned by this person who said, let's do this. And I took it seriously. And I'm not going to say he didn't, but he had other responsibilities as well. And let's be honest, being an entrepreneur is not for the faint at heart. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I I paid that $8,000 off resentfully. I literally just paid it off in 2019. And I was just like, okay, that was another lesson about you got to plan things out, right? Because mm-hmm. spontaneity, do you, I didn't realize I was locked into this insurance policy, but um, I left and I've never looked back. So I've freelanced, I've done long-term contracts. When I say long-term, six months to a year as a consultant, but I'm, I've never worked um, full-time for anyone else since then, since 2002. That's good. I mean, is it? 
Yes. I mean, listen, I'm all here for somebody not working for anybody full time. Like I'm not about that life anymore. And if I could do anything to encourage people to get out of that space, I'm like screaming from the rooftop. So yes, that's good. (laughs) So since 2012, you've been doing it in the 10 years. That is amazing because a lot of people don't even get past the third year in entrepreneurship. I know that you've had some twists and turns and ups and downs. So what has that looked like for you? Um, It depends on what year it was, right? Um, Most times it it looked like hustling. So for example, when I, in 2014, I had an investor. And so I was working as a freelancer for Bermuda Sun. And you know, it was perfect. They paid me exactly what I wanted. I worked my hours, but yet I was not an employee, right? And went there in May, July, we got called into a meeting. And it was the 50th year anniversary of the Bermuda Sun. So everyone's thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be the um, discussions about celebrations and, you know, big features tying into it, blah, blah. And girl, <laughs> The publisher had come from overseas because he didn't live in Bermuda. So that's why we really thought, you know, it's going to be this extravaganza that we're going to plan from an editorial perspective. And he got everyone in the room and said that the Royal, um, I'm saying the Royal Gazette, that the Bermuda Sun was closing. Not even like a month, three months, that it was closing the following Wednesday. And this was a Friday. Grown men were crying. People were balling their eyes out. But I was a consultant, so I'm always got to exit plan as a consultant, right? Mm-hmm. But these are people who have been relying on, you know, their paychecks for their mortgages, their families, their rents, what have you. And I saw grown men crying because the shock of in a few days, life that some of them had known for years was going to change, was going to change. So I said, well, okay, that leaves a gap in the market. And I knew that I wanted to do a media entity. And um, I approached a couple of people. One person who I thought would really be on board, he kind of snubbed his nose, but I I figured he had a plan as well, right? And then as the years gone by, you clearly see he had a much bigger plan. So I don't blame him. But today in Bermuda was born, but I didn't have an investor because I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be honest as well regarding finances. I don't come from a rich family. I don't have deep pockets. Many times as an entrepreneur, I have to live hand to mouth. And sometimes I miss the mouth and have to go hand to hand to hand to mouth, right? And I think that people need to be honest about that because Mm -hmm. sometimes we want people to think that it's this lavish life or, you know, it's this awesome lifestyle. And it could be absolutely scary. So I did today in Bermuda. I had an investor. And everything was going fine, but I felt the investor didn't understand the realism of how the business worked. So we launched November 2014, and we had this salesperson who sold him a dream that we would be making $45,000 a month. So when January came, after we just launched in November, he was expecting for us to make $45,000 a month. And couldn't understand why we wasn't and was thinking that it was because of bad performance. No, you have to build your space Mm -hmm. in your area. 
So they started to get really contentious. And then I'll never forget, my daughter was having surgery. And I go to my bank on my bank to see if I'm being paid. And I was making less than my employee because he was paying her more because he was like, oh, as the boss, you should be able to make a sacrifice. So imagine how humiliating that was for me as an educated, as a professional in my industry, but you're paying my employee much more than you're paying me. Okay, so I had to swallow that. And my daughter's having surgery, go to my bank account and it's still saying like $24.10. And my daughter needs medication and she needs gauzes because she's having surgery on her foot. And I'm making calls. I'm like, what's going on? And it be too, oh, he's pulled out. No notice, no nothing. Okay, he's pulled out. I'm like, what? So can you imagine? I have a mortgage to pay, but then I had three children to take care of and, you know, just day to day, no money. So made it through that. And I, I, I have a good friend who I didn't realize she was a good friend. She took me to her house. She pulled food out of her fridge. She pulled stuff out of her um, cabinet. She said, I don't have money, but I could feed you. And she gave us food. I went to godparents. I went to friends. I went to one girl. I don't even know how she knew, but we had like a beef. She gave me money. We thought we had a beef, right? So when people believe in you, they rally behind you. Mm-hmm. So did that um, today. And we were, we were doing really well. We were averaging 125,000 hits a month. But the revenue was difficult to come by. So I was working as a cashier at a restaurant, I was working bartendering. Anything that I could hustle, I made glass candy, mm-hmm. right? For those who don't oh, know, boy. that's a Brazilian <laughs> treat. I would make glass candy. And I remember my, my Jeep needed tires. And I said, well, how much would it cost? I think they said like $480 at that time. I did the math. I made up those glass candies. And it happened to be inter-school sports. And I said to my daughter and two of her friends, her, you have one each, go around licking it, right? Because, you know, children like candy. And when we got home, I had about 20 left. I dumped the bag out and all the money came out. My daughter was mesmerized. I was like, don't ever let anyone be a a barrier Mm -hmm. to what you can, you know, what you want to attain. And so, um, but then it also is, is a struggle because when having children, and their fathers aren't taking care of them. So I have to do the work of, you know, double the work. And I'm not making enough money to survive. Something has to give. And for me, it's always going to be my children will not suffer. It's, un, it's not an argument. So falling behind on my mortgage, um, other little bills. And then in 2016, just became too much. And on top of that, living in that area from 2009 up until when we left were gun murders. And I was literally covering gun murders, putting on work face, taking off work face, going home to terrify children, never being able to decompress. And what I didn't realize is that I had um, PTSD. Mm-hmm. So back then, if you asked me my name, I'll start crying. Because I was so traumatized, but I couldn't take time to heal. I couldn't take time to even acknowledge because I'm always trying to hustle to make money, you know, as an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. 
And I remember my daughter saying to me one time, why do you do this? Why did you give up this good government job? Because she didn't understand in that moment that my ultimate end goal is to ensure that I am a flexible and available parent to be there for her and her brothers, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up moving to the UK in 2016, um, the end of 2016. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me because I still (laughs) was clear I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but it gave me the ability to decompress. And I literally probably laid on my couch for a year and cried. Um, I may have gotten up. I was doing the website because the website was still going. I was doing the website, but I was doing it half-heartedly. And I just, because I needed to focus on me. And again, I mean, the UK is much cheaper to survive than in Bermuda, right? But I still have Bermuda responsibilities to this day. So I ended up um, getting hacked. And I was so happy (laughs) that we got (laughs) hacked because I was like, I don't have to do this anymore because I felt like it was thankless. And as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have to be real. Like, are you wasting your time? Mm -hmm. Because we, we want, you know, who wants to have failure beside the name? But as you grow, you realize that if things don't work out, it's not necessarily failure but it's actually a lesson and sometimes a blessing. Mm-hmm. So an opportunity because I'm very creative. So I love to be able to think on my feet. I'm a very divergent thinker. So I can see an opportunity and jump on it, right? So being an entrepreneur has allowed me even to see who I am as a person. But fast forward to 2018, depression again, um, had going through a bad breakup, Dad's not taking care of his child and I almost lost my house. So imagine I got a call from Bermuda to say the bank's looking for you to repossess your house type of vibe. And the money he's not paying is greater than what I owe to the bank. Because I was like, if I have to make a choice between paying mortgage in Bermuda and paying rent in the UK, I'm going to pay my rent in the UK because I'm not going to have my children here. Mm-hmm. And that for me, then I didn't have $4,000. It was like $4,800 the bank needed to save my house. And that was the lowest for me. That was when I felt like a failure as a mother. That is when I felt like a failure as a businesswoman. And at that point, the only thing that I felt was the way out was to kill myself. And I would never forget that day because I was substitute teaching. And when I got the call and I drove to this park across from my house and I pulled over and I can envision it as we speak. It's literally across the street. And I started crying and I called um, my son's dad and was like, I sent him a message. I was like, listen, you need to pay because it's impacted my life. And I said, I'm about to lose the house. This is all I hear from my children. And he laughed. And that was it for me. My whole bottom fell out and I couldn't drive. I couldn't move. I just cried and cried and cried and cried. I eventually got home and I was like, it's a, it's a, a big hill, a bridge or whatever, not too far from here. I was going to drive over it. And that was going to be it. And I was like, hmm. But then 
you, you love your children the most. So why would you do that? So I decided not to do it. Best decision ever. And people rallied behind. But again, it's what they saw because people say you're doing great things in the community. But I couldn't see it because I was so mired. Right. Mm -hmm. I love to tell stories. I love to tell stories of women. That's how she was born. Because, again, I have a connection to the everyday person, but I also love those people who people tend to ignore or tend to feel that their stories aren't important. Those are the stories I love. So if I see whether it's a man or a woman sitting in that same spot every day at the same time, to me, there's a story in there. Other people may just see that person as just sitting there. I want to go ask them why they're sitting there. It may not be a story, but for me, it's something there because mm-hmm. it's the same thing every day, right? And so I was going to throw away Shehab and just say, you know what? Um, I'm saying throw away. This is when I decided to throw away today in Bermuda. And I was sitting in my friend's kitchen in Bermuda. And my business manager at the time said, what do you want to do? Because the site was fixed. And she said, you're going back live? I was like, no, leave it on. <laughs> no one needs to know the truth. Leave it on. <laughs> Pretend it's too hot. Because I was like, I wasn't living in my purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up um, founding SheHub. And also in that same trip to Bermuda, my friends took me to dinner. And I didn't want to go because I was really done, right? But I had to go for my women's empowerment. So I mean, you talked about that. But her idea is I'm empowering women and broken. Mm. So I go and um, we go to dinner and they give me this envelope. And it's November, so I'm thinking it's a Christmas card. And I'm like, oh, thanks. I put it in my bag because I was very in control of my emotions. And they're like, open it. And money just started falling out. And between them and a couple of my godparents, they saved my house. And that's when I realized, keep going in this entrepreneurial journey because it all ties into how you feel about yourself. Because if you don't have confidence, you can't do this entrepreneurial thing Mm -mm. because you're going to get rejected. You're going to get diverted. It's not for the faint (laughs) at heart, right? And so that pivotal moment in 2018 made me realize that yes sis keep going whatever you want to build as your business whatever that may be whatever you want to build as a person whatever that may be go for it mm-hmm. I love your honesty right <laughs> I love it because no choice <laughs> so many people paint a pretty picture right and I, I've, I've talked about this um, outside of this space. Like, I hate seeing people selling these bullshit dreams. Like, sign up with me. I'll make you 100 grand in 30 days. And I, I feel it doesn't serve anyone buying into these bullshit stories, like, for lack of a better term. It, it doesn't serve us by not being honest, which is why, you know, my vision for this is really sharing the truth. It's hard. It's so hard that you it's talked ugly. about. It's, it's painful. Yes. You talked about almost losing your house through this process, but it didn't stop you. Right. You realize that if I keep going, 
as long as I'm doing what is purposeful, things will fall into place. It may not be with, without pain, without tears, without sometimes a breakdown. However, you still don't have to answer to nobody, right? <laughs> you, you're still <laughs> building things for your children and, and thus seeing the strength of their mother through this process, which I think is like the most beautiful thing ever. But interestingly, so I have three very distinct children, right? My daughter, she's the oldest, she's 21. She is academic, she's structured, she's like, she's everything I'm not in the sense where she always needs a plan. She needs a clear vision. Me, give me a little seed, I'll pour some water on it and I'm going to grow the shit out of that seed. But for her, she needs to see all the tools laid out, right? Um, So she is clear and we giggle all the time because we had this moment. My birthday is a week after Mother's Day in the States, right? And she sent me this message and I still have it to this day. She sent it to me in 2017 and she said, mommy, I always wondered why you did this. She goes, and I was upset when you gave up your substantive job because I thought there would be the end of life as we knew it. And she goes, but really all it was, was that we had to cut back some, but our quality of life never changed. Right. And that for me was a very poignant moment because I feel in that moment she understood because besides when I gave birth to her brother I have never missed her youngest brother I have never missed anything for my children not one assembly not a sports day nothing right because I was self-employed but she now she's in university doing a degree in international business and she's clear I don't want this entrepreneurial shit. <laughs> it's just like, it works for you. It don't work for me. She would rather know where her money is coming from and be clear, you know, I'm going to receive $500 a week and I know I'm guaranteed my $2,000 um, $2, a month. Where for me, I could be making $5 this week and $25,000 next week, for example. But she is just like, mama, I rate you for it and you keep doing it, but it's not my life, mm. you know? And I respect that. And I said mm. to her, well, did it look that bad? And she was like, no, it's just not for me. So, you know, it's not one size fits all, but these children knew. And, you know, when I realized this, we were traveling together one time and, you know, we've taken your shoes off and all of that. And it was me and the boys and the boys are only three years apart and they're always fighting. And we were traveling and the way my older son, and he was probably 10, 11 at the time, the way he looked out for his younger brother, I was like, look at this, because they've had to support. If I have to work and they have to make sure that, you know, get a, get a bath or whatever. So it, it transcends beyond just the working part. It, mm -hmm. it trickles into the other parts of your life. And I was impressed to see them work together. Do you give mommy a passport. Give me a pass. I was like, whoa. And it's because they've known all three of them from a young age that we stick together in order for mommy to survive, in order for you to survive, we have to work as a machine. So now that they're older, because now they're 21, oh, Johnny just turned 16 yesterday and 12, 
they like I can say, hey, listen, I'm going to this work event. Bake a pizza for your brother or whatever the case may be, you know, or oh, you want to just eat popcorn for dinner? <laughs> Fine by me. Just don't put sugar on it because it can keep you up at night. Like that's how we operate and they get it. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. There are some unexpected benefits when we go through this journey, right? And it always trickles down to our children, whether it's they're following in our footsteps or creating their own path. So it, it, there's benefits bigger than just the money that we make or don't make in a given week, right? <laughs> so you, you talked about the ups and downs. You talked about how you've actually had to pivot throughout this journey of 10 years being an entrepreneur. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned? That's a good one. No one's ever asked me that. Um the biggest lesson that I've learned is actually about myself. Mm-hmm. And that is that, okay, my daughter has actually taught me the biggest lesson. And the biggest lesson is that I don't give myself enough credit for what I do, right? Um, I'm very hard on myself. I'm always questioning, is this the right move? Um, and I have people, and I say this humbly, but I have people who fan over me, right? They think like if I'm in their presence or they like they just think, oh my God, call is you. And I don't feel like that, right? So I did a master's. Um, I decided to do my master's in 2019. And I did a master's in public relations. And I, I did it and we did it through the pandemic. And I felt nothing. I was just like, okay, I did it. And my daughter was like, Lady, are you crazy? You did this with three children, with working in a pandemic, and you're just like brushing it off. So even things that are like achievements, I don't embrace them. You know, I acknowledge them, but like, okay. So um, for the last Black History Month, I was um, recognized in Manchester, and I have no idea how or why, as one of... um leading one of the most inspirational business leaders in arts and culture. I don't come out of my house besides to go grocery shopping, but someone has seen the work that I'm doing. Right. So when I saw it, I was like, what me really? And my daughter's like, you need to walk in who you are. So my biggest lesson in this very moment is that I need to embrace it. And I need to understand I've worked hard for it because I tend to just brush it off. Mm-hmm. Now, see, the coach in me is like, ooh, coachable moment, coachable moment, right? <laughs> so many of us are like that. So many of us struggle to celebrate our achievements, to really like stand in awe of ourselves, right? Could be conditioning, it could just be what it is. But I think the beauty of this process is learning how to celebrate yourself, learning how to build your momentum through the narratives that you're holding about yourself. Like you spoke earlier about like, if you're not, you know, a confident person, this process is going to be super hard for you. But if you're also not a person who sits back and celebrates themselves, it's easy to get caught up in what's going wrong rather than what's going right. And like, I just, I'm all about doing what we can to flip the narrative 
Like if you are listening and you're saying, Carla girl, I relate to you. I want to encourage you to spend some time outlining the achievements that you hit, no matter how big, no matter how small, put them on a list. And then you're having those moments where you're like, eh, I don't know that I'm deserving of this award. Or, eh, I don't know, you know, people are making a fuss and I, 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 don't, I don't see that. I challenge you to go back to that list and read it because all of us have huge achievements even if they are tiny to someone else. And if we get grounded in learning how to celebrate that, it helps us to move forward. I have to tell you this quick funny story, right? So I graduated from University of Georgia in 1998. They, I was back in Bermuda, so they mail you the screw, what have you, 50 degree, fine. <laughs> Never hung it up. Left Bermuda in 2016. and. Like I tell you, I was really done. So I left a lot of stuff behind. And it's weird. Five years later, now I'm starting to have regrets. I stored some stuff, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you've left this, you left that. And it probably went in the trash. So go home nine months later. And they're doing some work on my house, getting ready for a tenant. Something tells me go in there and introduce myself to the worker. And I go in there. There is my degree all dusty in a scroll on a shelf. So it was an old man. He said, lady, this you? Because <laughs> I said, you know, I'm the end of the house. And he said, why is this her for the trash? He said, I took it out. And it was my degree. And I realized like, wow, you really do not celebrate yourself, sis. So I had to degree her. And I also have my masters. And I promised myself that I'm going to hang them both up. Because I've had that degree for 25 years this year and never, 24 years, I think, and never have I um, hung it up. And people think that's so bizarre. So I am very active in now recognizing things I need to work on. And that's one of them. So I have to, it's imperative for me to hang those degrees. Yes, hang them right there in front of you. And look at them and smile every damn day. I did that. Okay. <laughs> I did it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what this is about. We're going to learn to celebrate our styles. We can't wait for it to come to us. We got to do it. Because like I said, it helps build momentum. It helps move us forward. And I'm here for it. Oh, like I don't want to see none of us stuck. So if it means Cinder said, Oh my gosh, girl, I know how to read a book today. Celebrate that <laughs> shit, okay? <laughs> Celebrate it. <laughs> so Carla, tell us what you got going on. This is an opportunity to really shine. Let us know about SheHub. That is who is sponsoring this amazing podcast. So shine, darling. Well, I, let's talk about the sponsorship for a minute. You know, even when um, it's difficult, Financially, especially, I think it's important that we still support each other, right? Especially as Black women. And that's why when you ask me, I don't care if I had to go sell some glass candy, I was going to sponsor it because I just think that we we also grew up this narrative of Black women not supporting each other or Black women catting against each other. And for me, when you asked me, it was an unequivocal yes, because it was like, hey, and, and to be honest, 
I want that same support from other women as well, right? Because if we all stick together, and and I'm always conscious about this, even out here, I try to find black owned products and you know support black businesses, but one of the struggles that I have, it's not reciprocal, and it's it's hard, and I try not to take it personal. But I'm like, why wouldn't we all want to see each other to win? So it's a privilege for me. And I, I have to congratulate you as well for this awesome podcast. Um, you're rocking it. So keep going. Um, so Shehab has two arms. And I was in denial about this because I have so much work to do. It is two arms. So we have Shehab.tv, which is dedicated to all things women. So it doesn't matter where you're from. You have a story to tell or, you know, an advice column that you want. SheHub is a platform for women to highlight what they do um, for me to tell their stories or a freelancer to tell their stories. That's the website. The magazine, which launched in 2021, we had a one year anniversary a few days ago. The magazine is dedicated to Black people, Right. So um, it's a quarterly at this point. I wish I could bring it out more often, but it costs a lot to produce, right? So the magazine is a quarterly magazine. It's available um, in hard copy as well as it's in the App Store and Google Play. So um, if you would like to, take out a subscription. Have it mailed to your door. Have it come directly to your pad. The one thing I love about SheHub is that People trust me. They trust me to tell their stories. And I appreciate that, right? I tell people all the time. I tell my daughter, when I die, please do not share my inbox. (laughs) Because so many people share their secrets with me. And the blessing in that is that I hold that dear. So I never betray my sources, et cetera. I will not sell anyone out. And that's that's paid off. Um, I've launched a second business with my daughter, See It Through Concierge, which I've soft launched it at this point. Um, but we have a website, seeitthroughconcierge.com. And that is to offer, whether it's administrative services, whether it's um, your child is coming to school in Manchester and you need help looking for places to stay, you know, um, giving them advice. And I've had a couple approach me already to help them. They're relocating from Bermuda to um it look, it's looking like Manchester, right? So doing the research, taking the stress out of what some people either don't want to do or may not know how to do. So then I have the Women's Empowerment Summit, which is my Bermuda-based um, event, but because of the pandemic has become global. And last year, we actually, for the first time, had it fully translated in Portuguese and Spanish. And so... um. For the Women's Empowerment Summit, it started out as a place for women to share their stories, but we've turned it into a place where there are workshops and um, we're in our seventh year this year. And the thing of it is, it's been copied so many times, but then the novelty wears off, right? So you see all these little empowerment summits popping up since we started and then it dies off because this is in my heart, right? If you know me, I'm actually so good. I've not sworn not once today, maybe once. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very um, grassroots. 
So I tell people all the time, I can hobnob with the highest of the high, but I know the lowest of the low, right? And I just love to connect with people. So I don't care where you're from. You don't have to conjugate a a verb properly. You don't have to dress a certain way. It's a safe space for women. We also have the Women's Empowerment Summit Group, which is a closed group on Facebook, where we talk about all sorts of things impacting women, whether it's sex and orgasms or it's finances. So um, I'm just building. And, you know, someone said to me, oh, my gosh, you're starting another business. And at first I took it offensively. But I was like, you know what? I thought about Oprah. I'm like, well, how many businesses Oprah has? Mm -hmm. How many businesses Beyonce has? And I don't think it's for me to play small. The one thing, though, that I'm committed to doing is ensuring. Oh, and and then I have the PR company, Ashe Communications Group, right? For me, it's creating these well-oiled machines once my machines all become well-oiled, so right now I'm tweaking her and squeaking her and putting some WD-40 here. But once they become well-oiled machines, they'll work so well together. Mm-hmm. And so even if one makes, let's just say $5,000 and the other one makes $10,000, that's $15,000 I hit before I started either one of them. And so that's, I want my kids especially to see that there is nothing you cannot do. Now, some people say, well, you're a journalist, you know, you're into PR. Why would you do a concierge service? Because I'm a people person and I'm a connector. And see, that's the other thing. I think as an entrepreneur, I think you should do yourself a favor and do the um, the personality tests. I did the Gallup one. Why can't the Clifford 36 Strengths, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. I did that one. And some of the things that it said made sense to who I was that I couldn't understand before. So like I said, I'm a connector. People said to me, Carla, can you, um, do you know someone who, and I came and I was like, Ooh, let me turn that into a business. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have going on right now. Um, I'm in a really good place. I'm happy. Not rich yet, but rich in spirit. <laughs> but please support shehub.tv and the magazine. And then I can be rich and happy. <laughs> hey, and just to mention, Shehub has apps. I've got mine on my Samsung, catching the, you know, additions as they come out. So make sure you get it if you want it in paper. Make sure you get it as well. I love what you said about, you know, having all of these different arms to what you do, right? Millionaires have at least seven streams of income. You can come into this space thinking that what you're going to do is going to be relevant for 25 years if you don't, if you're not willing to pivot and to be innovative and to be creative. It gives you an opportunity to build these streams of income that will guarantee success for you in the long run if you know how to tweak it, tweak that well oiled machine as Carla talked about. So listen, I'm so appreciative of having you on the show. Like I told you, I wanted to spotlight you. So you're going to be like up next, right? (laughs) Because I am very appreciative of the support. When we had the conversation, I literally had had the dream like two days ago. And I'm like, Carla, this is what I want to do. And I'm coming to you and I'm asking for your support. And you're like, girl, yes. Like, and to me, that was like 
mind-blowing. The lesson that I got from that is when you are passionate about pursuing the things that you know are aligned with your purpose, you are unstoppable. And if you have the audacity to do things that people tell you you can't do, I remember saying, oh, I'm getting ready to approach somebody about sponsoring my stuff. And this was before I had even recorded one episode. But I was so confident in this product, what I'm bringing to the table, that I was willing to hear no in order to hear a yes. And luckily, I haven't been, I haven't hired a new. But I was told you cannot monetize your, your podcast before you record an episode. Matter of fact, you can't monetize until you have like 10,000 downloads, right? You can keep those narratives to yourself. We're here doing things different, changing our narratives so that we can have what we're never had. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you it's an very honor. much. I, I'm so, I am so proud of you and I admire you. And I'm not saying it just, you know, because we're recording. I admire that you spoke about doing it. And next thing I know, I'm seeing promos and I'm like, oh, damn, she didn't <laughs> sleep. And I love that. And I'm not like that. I'm a procrastinator at times. Right. Mm-hmm. So and and the quality of the conversations is it's awesome. So I wish you nothing but the best. And as long as I can support, I will. I appreciate you. Lovely. So. Give us a piece of advice as we close out this episode. Understand that you're not everybody's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Your product may be loved by some and hated by many. It doesn't matter. If you believe in what you are doing and if you love what you do, it will succeed. And stop measuring success in numbers wealth does not mean success what you do and the the feeling it leaves with people to me is the true measure of success yes the feeling that you have in the pit of your belly yes so listeners I have enjoyed bringing this conversation to you. Listen, we talked about the ups and downs, being willing to pivot, being innovative, being creative, and really having a solid, solid confidence in what you bring to the table. I hope that you have found it as enlightening as I have. And I want to remind you, as always, to walk as if every step you take is about to create an avalanche because, boom! You are here to change the world. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Choosing Her Hustle. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to press the subscribe button. If you want to join in the conversation, follow me on Instagram at Choosing Her Hustle Podcast, where I'll be going live every Thursday to dig a little deeper into this week's episode. So make sure you bring your questions and comments and join our amazing community. If you want to support us, share, 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 and make sure to leave us a rating 